What's going on, everyone? It's Mitch from RespectMoreAgent.com. We're coming back with another episode of the RMR podcast. Today, joined by special special guest, I got Roger from Puffco. How are you doing today, Roger? Doing great. Great to be on. Thank you for having me. 100, man, 100. I know we were just talking off, off air. You're just getting back from a little European trip, coming back to the States, trying to adjust to, to the time zone, flipping and, and changing, yep. man. Uh, how, how was the trip? How was the trip over the pond? It's great, man. I mean, you know, I've been going to <clears throat> Barcelona for Spanibus for about five years now. And, you know, like when I first started going, they had like two menus. They had Cali and they had local and like all the good stuff was Cali and none of the local stuff was any good. And every year they've gotten better. And this year I, I went there and not only was like all of the hash I saw at least as good as the stuff here in the U.S., but I saw like new forms of hash that I'd never seen before that are like recently developed. And so they've gone from like trying to catch up to now like innovating new stuff. Um, it's called Piatella. It's like a curing of water hash, new age water hash mm. that makes it look like rosin, tastes arguably better than any resin I've tried. So incredible trip. Like my mind is blown every year I come back from there. But this year especially I'm leaving back with like a newfound love for what's possible with resin. Wow. Well, that's, that's interesting to hear that, you know, obviously the States and specifically California usually gets the, uh, the, the global recognition of the uh, innovations of cannabis. I know a lot of that has came from different parts of the, of the globe, obviously, but it's interesting to see these products, you know, these product types starting to get, to get mastered in these other areas. Like you said, bringing something new to the game. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, well, before we get into too much, man, every every guest I have in here, I usually have them kick off with just their origin story around the plant, the plant being cannabis. So I'm just kind of, you know, whether it's personal, professional, a little bit of both, just when when you as an individual in cannabis, you know, started your relationship with one another. Yeah. So, you know, arguably too young, you know, like anytime I talk about when I first started smoking, I'll tell people like, wait until you're 21, wait until your brain is developed, follow your local laws. Um, it's not what I did. Um, I was 13 when I first smoked. Um, it was um, it was interesting, you know. Like I, I had a, you know, whatever. I think a lot of people's teenage years are traumatic, and I guess my teenage years like fall in line with that. And when I used cannabis for the first time during then, it, I felt like this relief from like the crazy shit going on around me at the time. And I remember like one of the first thoughts I had when I smoked very clearly was like, I had no idea I could feel this way. Like I didn't know that this was on like spectrum of reality of my relationship with myself, the way it made my body feel. And like, again, I think that was way too young. I advise anyone against doing it that early. I really like given, given the same choices, I wouldn't, I wouldn't start that early again. Um, but then like I kept using it, you know, I, I, um, used it throughout my teenage years. I got caught with like my parents and stuff, but it's been pretty much a part of my life. From then, I think at like 19 years old, I could probably count the days that I didn't smoke since then. <laughs> um, and then, you know, as far as Puffco goes, I'm a New Yorker and I've been arrested quite a few times for cannabis in New York. And it's really a nightmare. Like It's really fucked up to be arrested for cannabis in New York, especially if you get arrested on a Friday, you're going to be like what they call the tombs, central booking um, in New York all weekend long with everybody's been arrested for anything. 
And so like, I, I got pretty, like, I would say traumatized by those arrests, uh, those arrests as just a cannabis consumer. And around 2012, really 2010 is when I first saw what we were calling wax, which just concentrates, BHO. And in 2012, these wax pens hit the scene. And a homie of mine put me on and like immediately, I was like, oh my God, I can consume this anywhere. This was like before Juul, before e-cigs really took off. I'm sure there were like some tanks at the time, like e-liquid tanks, but even those were not at their like most popular state yet. And so I was able to walk around New York, consume with my friends with literally zero concern about getting arrested mm. ever. And that was kind of like the origin story of Puffco is I really got into these, uh, these wax pens, you call them vape pens today. Um, and I put all my friends on and I was obsessed with it. My friends' devices would break and I would help them fix it if I could or get them replaced. And eventually a friend was like, hey, bro, why don't you try doing this yourself? You're really into it. And uh, the classic line I like to give is I was just ignorant enough to say why not. So if I knew how hard <laughs> it was to develop product, to grow this business, to be a company based out of New York that is not the you know, foremost cannabis market in the country, really outsiders when we're in New York. Um, if I knew all those things and what it would take to get through there, I'd have been like, oh man, there's no way I could do this. But I didn't know that. And so I just jumped in and tried my best. And <laughs> somehow all of this came from that. And and on that, you know, being in New Yorker, right? New York is 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 the the, the main talking point in cannabis right now, whether we're talking sure. you know, legalization or the other side of the market that, that's been around for a long time. How does it feel to be a native of there and then obviously cutting your teeth in this industry uh, for a while and, and now have cannabis, you know, the spotlight finally turned on New York? What does that feel like? Oh, man, bittersweet. You know, like we moved to L.A. five years ago because in New York, we couldn't I mean, we had incredible employees that moved from New York to L.A., but getting great employees in New York was really tough for us. Mm. They, you know, professionals in New York would see themselves as doing Puffco a favor. And like, I remember I, I had a uh, recruiter, like I've always been focused on getting brilliant people into the companies, you know, somebody that doesn't know exactly what they're doing. I want to hire people that do. And I remember I was, I was trying to hire a recruiter and she got all the way through damn near to the offer letter. And she was like, hey, I can't take the job. I talked to my parents. They just said that they'd be too embarrassed if I worked for a cannabis company. And like, that was the vibe when we were leaving. Like, what pushed us out of there? And now New York is arguably one of the best markets in the country. It's still underground. Everything they're doing is either in a gray area or illegal, most of what's being done there. But something crazy about New York for somebody who's been arrested again multiple times for cannabis is you can consume cannabis anywhere you can smoke cigarettes mm -hmm. in New York. And I love that law. That feels like so fair, uh, especially in a country that's oppressed like these plant users for as long as they have to now, like if you're in Cali or if you're in Colorado and you go and buy some weed, you got to find a place to smoke it. You can't smoke it outside. If you rent, there may be laws that don't allow you to consume it in, in your apartment. And so you almost have to be like a landowner or a property owner to even be able to consume in a lot of these recreational markets. But in New York, you could do it anywhere. And so like it's bittersweet that, you know, this city didn't love us when we were there. Um, but it's incredible to see that all the people we left behind are in safer hands now. They, their freedom is far less at risk than it ever was.
So bittersweet overall positive. Yeah, no, I I, I can dig that, and, and I I wasn't as familiar, so I hundred percent understand the the bittersweet aspect of moving due to the the hardships of that, and then seeing it change. But that's that's the evolution, man. Like this this game continues to evolve from what it was to what it is now, and and obviously sure. inevitably what it's gonna be. Um, and like you know, like you said, I, I that that the inspiration for you even starting Puffco started with that, you know, those early wax pens, you know, and that was for me like the biggest game changer in cannabis, right. As a certain point sure. as, as a person in their mid thirties of when we could consume cannabis and not smell like it. Right. Like that was the biggest thing sure. it wasn't loud, um, and, and taking it mobile. Yeah. And so when it, when it came to creating Puffco, what were some of those components that you felt like had to be involved with the device and the company overall that you felt like just like, what were some of those like, non-negotiables that you had to put into the product development? Um, I mean, so in the beginning, it was really just me. And I would say these days we're thinking broader than just what I love. We're trying to think of like what a lot of different people would love, not just me, but from the beginning and arguably for the first like 70, 80% of Puffco history, everything was made just because I wanted it to exist. You know, so like, the first uh, Puffco Pro was like our first vape pen that we released widely to the public. It won High Times Vape Pen of the Year in 2015. The design process for that was just what I wanted. So I was breaking all these other vape pens. I wanted something that was made out of metal, not plastic. I wanted something that had a bigger chamber. And I believe at the time we were like three, three and a half times bigger than the biggest chamber that existed. Um, I didn't want fiberglass wick because it had like a really specific case and nobody even knew if it was safe to use. I wanted a ceramic one. Um, I want the temperature control. So if I really wanted to like tune up the vapor, my battery can go really hot. And those were just things that I would think about when I was using other products of like, man, I wish it had this. And so for me, a part of the process has always been like, what do I wish existed? And seeing if it's possible for us to bring that into reality. And that's typically been how we develop product. It's still how we develop product. These days, we're just also thinking of like, what are missing from other people's experience, even if we're happy with what's there. Um, but that, that's typically how it's gone. And, and and obviously being able to take that, you know, the concentrates on the go, starting with the pens, getting to like basically the mobile dab rig with the, with the peak, um, and then coming out with this, this proxy, you know, then the newer device adds like a whole nother just level of experience of consuming concentrates. And I can't remember if I saw an interview with you, but I also am surrounded by consistent Puffco users everywhere yeah. I go. A lot of people That's on our awesome. team. And so I constantly hear the debate of everybody whenever a proxy comes out. Would you like the proxy more or the peak or whatever? And mm. I constantly hear people say, ah, oh, the peak. I prefer for, you know, just experience of, of taking sure. the fattest hit, but the proxy provides like this different level of experience. So what, what was, again, just kind of like an inspiration thing, what went into creating the proxy and, and creating, you know, taking the same elements of, of concentrate consumption, but just elevating and changing that experience. Yeah. The proxy story is interesting because where we started is not where we ended up. Where we started was just thinking there's so many rigs and bonds out there. It feels like most people in the space have one in their home. How can we make something that would fit into those better? And so the original proxy thought was, can we make you know, a chamber that fits in a banger? Which for those that don't know is uh, what you heat to take a dab off of when you put it in a rig. It's like the nail that's attached, we call that a banger. 
and that's kind of where it started. And if you, you know, if you know what a banger is shaped like, it's uh, not have a pen near me, but it's like a little bucket with a straw coming out of the side that you put into a rig. And so this is what we wanted it to be like. And one day our, our chief technology officer was like, what if we take that straw and just point it out? So it's more like a pipe. And I am a lover of half pipes. So as soon as I saw it, I was like, "That let's let's prototype this and see if it makes sense." We made a glass prototype, put it in there. I brought it home. My lady hit it, and she was the one who was like, "This by itself is an incredible product. I think this could be bigger than just this banger idea." And that was like a lot of tension for us because we wanted to make something that would fit in to existing things. And instead, we were like, "People can easily build around this," and this pipe feeling. This dry hit is incredible. I can't even believe how good it is. Um, the 3D chamber that's out for the Peak Pro, that was originally designed for the proxy and we ported it over before release. And what the, P, what the 3D chamber does is give you the most flavorful hash hits you can get just by the way that it heats. And so we very quickly realized like there's something special and unique here. And what started as an idea of let's make something that would work with a banger in all rigs turned into this thought of let's make a hash pipe that's really easy for artists to build around. So if you are making rigs, to make something for a proxy is not very hard. I mean, infinitely easier than making a glass top for a Peak Pro. So that was the story of the proxy. We kind of just wanted to make something that worked with everything else. And what we found is that we made something that made it easier for others to work with that would have its own ecosystem. Um, so weird journey didn't end up where we thought we were. I, I mean, I love that though. A, a lot of those best ideas start with an initial uh, idea. You know, I come from the music realm, and I always say it's such a collaborative process taking some, you know, something from an idea to what the end user hears. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those best ideas are when some creative starts off on an idea, and someone else, the outside opinion, comes in and just unlocks something that's like right in front of your face, and you're like. Fuck, bro. I didn't even I didn't even see that. Rick Rubening it, right? Doing some Rick Rubin shit. That's kind of like what happened with this when when I heard why don't you just release the pipe? It was like why don't we just release the pipe? And every person <laughs> asked the question to was like, yeah, I can't find a reason not to. This is like even if you think about it, it's if we made this thing that fit into a banger, you know, if you wanted to put your parents onto this and you're like hey try this thing like what what do i put it into like at best i'm just going to use the peak pro but the pipe they know what a pipe is like yeah. it's such an easy form to understand and it destigmatizes hash in its own way because people feel pretty comfortable with it so it was just one of those like you know classic rick rubin moments where he just throws some shit at you and you're like it just ferments and ends up consuming the entire idea that that's kind of what happened with the proxy. And and that on that destigmatization note, that was something that I've just, you know, thought about, right? Again, I, I'm, I will always classify myself as a baby dabber. I, I, I smoke a lot of flour. I'm just a lightweight when it comes to the dabs, but I, my, my sure. team is heavy on the, on the concentrates. And so I'm always surrounded by, you know, like I said, Puffco products. And so I, I kind of had that epiphany uh, maybe last year we were in a hotel room and everyone was smoking and, and I was thinking about that like, man, from where, you know, concentrates used to be coming with the whole torch, 
you know, titanium mm-hmm. nail. It just was a very sketchy looking thing, right? Like I would yeah. totally understand when people walked in and looked like, what the fuck is going on here? I was like, I get it, bro. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. But seeing this evolution to not just the electric devices, but then especially like you said, a, a pipe like like the proxy, it just makes it that that hash expect that concentrate experience just not nobody's looking at you goofy when you're doing that. You know what I mean? You don't get the yeah. you crack like look anymore. And so was that was that kind of a component or an aspect that you wanted to carry into creating these or was it more a byproduct of just yeah. searching for creating products that you just kind of personally wanted yeah no it's it, it's it's the former for sure so i mean it's both really but um yeah you know i think that as far as cannabis goes it feels like we're past the stigma right like cannabis in general you know six seven years ago it was this thing of like look you know soccer moms smoke cannabis and teachers smoke cannabis and professionals like it was this weird thing of like it's not this underground thing it's a normal part of many people's lives but concentrates have not had that same journey if anything the stigma around them has gotten worse through the years as cannabis in general has gotten better and the story of the peak and i get in the proxy as well and all the things that really came after 2018 were heavily influenced by destigmatization so I'm a New Yorker. Growing up, I kind of grew up in the streetwear scene. Like my uncle and all of his friends, they were all like, you know, whatever, the Supreme Cats and Sir and like all these people that that were just super cool. And I, I kept that network for most of my life. And I found that when I got into dabbing and I tried to show it to them, they were extremely turned off. You know, New York is home of the crack era. Um, showing up with a torch and a nail and dropping something and exhaling big amounts of vapor. It's really scary. And then it's even scarier when you torch up a dab for someone and it's too hot and they're choking out and they get way too high and in their feelings or potentially throw up. And the reason that I wanted to make the peak so bad was I just wanted to smoke hash with my friends. just wanted to take a dab with my homies without them feeling weird about it. So the journey of the peak started with why don't we make a rig that heats up your dab automatically and it looks like a beer bottle? So if you're at a party walking around with it, nobody's going to look at something that looks like a beer bottle and think twice about it. They'll just see a normal thing in your hand and not bother you at all. And that beer bottle ended up turning into a cone and that's kind of the journey that it went on. But with our products, we, we believe that hash is the best experience in the space and we want to make it easy for people to see that. When you have to use a torch, and not saying that, you know, if you're using a torch, it's a bad thing to do. There's tons of people that still do it and enjoy it and have an incredibly safe experience with it. But if you're somebody who isn't down to make that leap, we wanted to give you something that would make it way easier to love half the way we do. So destigmatizing dabbing is a big part of why we create the products we create. Because dabbing is the best path to hash, but torching isn't um, for the masses. Um, so yeah, definitely a big part of our story. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, obviously cannabis is a community oriented, just, you know, whether it's a spiritual thing, a product you partake in a medicinal thing, right? What is, it's a lot of things for a lot of different people, but it's a very community oriented, uh, uh, thing that we engage in. Right. And, and when we look at, at hash and concentrates in general, right, the heady crowd, it's, it's a very, proud and loud and tight-knit community and something that i think is really unique uh from puffco right like 
is that you guys have created the, a community that kind of extends past that and, and around a product and around a brand that we haven't really seen in the cannabis industry. I don't know if enough people have given you guys flowers for that, but with what you guys put on with, with PuffCon and just creating a community and then building that, taking that community of just users around a product, lovers of a brand and giving them a physical space and something for that. Um, what kind of went into creating that? And, and then again, you know, how does it honestly feel to be able to create this product and this brand that's like created a community of people that have come together and now, you know, the same way we share cannabis and share ideas over, over products and a brand that you've created now that creates a community in itself. Sure. I mean, a few things. So like one, I feel like the Puffco community is really a hash community, you know, and like the Puffco is their path to hash. And so um, uh, there's a lot of people centered around it, but I, I, I almost like, like to take the shine off of Puffco and put it on hash itself because that's the incredible experience that they're chasing. You know, it's not, it's not like our devices are making these things different than what they already are. They're just helping give the best, best expression of it. But as it relates to PuffCon, is an interesting story. Big shout out to Kevin Chapman, our director of events. He's the person who like makes this event as beautiful and crazy as it is, him and his, his entire team. But PuffCon started with a thought of, we want normalcy in the space. And, you know, most of these events in cannabis, if, if you've been to them, they're like in San Bernardino, they're in Victorville, they're way out there in the middle of nowhere, cars are getting broken into, um, you feel like you're being pushed away to the side. Like, yeah, you can have your fun with each other. Just don't get, just don't piss off the normies, you know, stay in your lane, stay away from us. Don't scare my kids. And I hate that. Like they could throw a beer fest in the middle of downtown LA. They could throw a ton of events that are arguably more dangerous for a user. I'd rather be at a weed smoking event than a drinking event. I know where the fights are at. I know where the trouble is at. I know where it's not. And so we just had a thought of, could we throw a block party in the center of downtown LA where people look up and they see the city skyline and they feel like it's normal. I'm just consuming what I love without hurting anyone else in a place that is safe and feels like I'm accepted by those around me. That was the entire mission of PuffCon. And we wanted to make it free for our existing customers. So it's just an appreciation event of if you fuck with us, this event is for you. We're not doing this to make money. We're doing this to create normalcy and safety in our scene. And that was a the main reason, the, probably the main reason we're still doing it today is, is that. And then as far as the community that exists around it, it trips me out, man. I mean, I, I, I've had like therapists and executive coaches and stuff. And like a line they hit me with around the time of creating PuffCon was nuts of like, you know, you've never quite felt like you were able to be a part of any community. So you created your own. Sure. And that's what I feel like when I walk around PuffCo. Not that it's my community in any way, <clears throat> but that I'm in a community that is mine as much as it is every PuffCo users. It's also their community. It's the hash community. It trips me out every year. Every year that group gets bigger and bigger. And every year I feel like I feel safe, just safe to be me. I think that's what most people that attend PuffCon feel. This is a place where it's okay to be me. I'm not gonna catch shit for being that. Um, and so like, that's the reason why we do it. Um, and it feels incredible. And it also costs us a ton of fucking money and we make none back. So I hope we get to keep doing it forever. We may have to charge like a small entry fee this year to keep it alive. But yeah, that's why we do it. 
Yeah, super, super unique. Uh, again, I, I come from a, a background in music, so seeing seeing that uh, a festival put on, especially downtown LA, uh, and, and the mixture of cannabis, it's it's very unique. And then just as a as a nerd around marketing and branding, to be able to see how that you know, like you said, you built that community and accessing the allowing the people to come in that are current customers. It's just it's set up in a very admirable way, man. Very very inspired. Thank by you. That. Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. And I got to I got to settle an internal debate. Like I said, I'm surrounded by Puffco users, man. And, and so there's constantly okay. arguments between dry hits or water in the peak. Where where do you, where does Roger stand on that? man? Um, I usually put I, I prefer water in my peak and I typically prefer my proxy without. So like I know that there is a it's funny because when we were just before we released the proxy, there was this whole movement of people that were taking dry hits out of their peak. They were making uh, different attachments for the Peak Pro that were like, you know, super short. So pretty much your mouth is right there by the chamber. And we loved seeing it before the proxy came out because we were like, oh my God, they're naturally finding the dry dabs are okay. Cause we were tripping. We were like, everyone's gonna see this thing and be like, dry dabs, you're insane. This is gonna be so harsh. And there are times where I feel like my proxy is as smooth, dry, or smoother than my Peak Pro. But when I'm hitting my Peak Pro, typically got water in there. And when I'm hitting my proxy, I'm doing it without. And I don't think there's anything wrong with switching it up, of using your proxy with water or your Peak Pro without. But that's my personal setup. Yeah, I, I love that. Man. Like I said, the, 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 there's always an argument or always a compare. Whether it's an argument or just a, a you know, uh, just a a conversation but that's constantly happening i mean so. yeah the real answer for for your 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 team is like whatever is best for you just because it works for you doesn't mean it's going to work for someone else but like it's specifically whatever you love that's the right way you know like if you love rosin and rosin is the best to you and not water hash that's the best way for you to do it for me it's water hash and i like i like to show people that and at least let them see what i love but like, that's the thing with hash, man, is like when you find your lane, when you find what you just like, you take a dab and you do like your happy dance after that you love it, like that's the fucking right way to do it, you know? And like most people are not the same in what they think that is. Absolutely. And then, and then you know, regionally, right? We respect my region. We look at things regionally. I'm just curious kind of your thoughts on on where 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 your favorite. I won't say best hash because I don't, I don't, you know, I don't like necessarily like to make every answer. But, but where some of your favorite hash come from? I will say it's the best hash and it's Barcelona. We don't even have that in the U.S. anymore, man. Like it's, you know, I think Barcelona is dope because everybody there is single source. So whoever you're getting hash from, they pheno hunted it, they grew it, they washed it. And if they're turning it to rosin, they pressed it, they jarred it. They did everything, one team in control of farm to table type shit, you know? And here, sometimes you don't know. Sometimes somebody's growing it and somebody's washing it. Sometimes somebody's growing it, another person is washing it, another person is pressing it, and another person is jarring it. And then you're just the trapper with a brand. So like here, that same passion doesn't exist as much because we have a healthy supply chain. We have recreational here in many states. But when you go to Barcelona, it feels so authentic. Um, uh, it feels artisan, you know, and like the quality of what they have here, same as us. If you're a fan of Skittles, man, go to Barcelona, go to Terps Army, 
go to GWA. If you're watching this and you get to Barcelona, go to GWA Social Lounge and ask them if they have Skittles. And you're going to get Skittles Terps that you either haven't tasted in years or that you've never tasted. Mm. So for me, Barcelona right now is like the capital of the world. And I know that like some people in the U.S. beg, come on, man, you haven't tried everything. Like there's (laughs) stuff out here for sure. But the density of quality in Barcelona, we don't have that here yet. Um, and that, or we don't have that here anymore. And I think that's because of how big we've gotten. They'll be in the same place once they have wreck and it's big as hell. They're, they're running into this fate that we're in right now. But Barcelona, man, best best hash in the game. Also, best food in the game. This is the best food city I've been to ever. Um, so please check it out. I love that. Well, I mean, it's, you know, that, that single source and that craft, right? Once once the, the demand gets up there and then you got to pump up the supply to meet the demand it's it's mm-hmm. hard to match that same artisanal small batch crap totally. it's tough you do you have faith that that will always exist in the u.s as we move to this inevitable commercialization of cannabis or or what's your take on that you know something that puffco uh lobbies for somewhat lightly um i think puffco's yeah i i, I tripping up i was going to give too much details on something one of the things that we push for is home grows like it's really important for us that people be able to grow at home you know be able to wash at home make their own hatch and make their own rosin to a point you know like yeah you can't have a 200 plant grow and you know a massive manufacturing facility that's not fair but i believe if there's a future where state governments and the federal government allows people to grow at home and produce their own, I believe that will keep it where it is, right? Because that's going to be single source. You're going to pop your seeds. You're going to find the best one to grow. You're going to put that into your grow. You're going to wash it. You might press it and you have this. And I think that will not just create this single source availability that I wish was more prevalent here, but it will also create a healthy professional market of cannabis professionals, I guess, right? Like if you have a bunch of humans across the US that know how to pheno hunt, how to grow, how to wash, how to press, how to jar, how to do all these things, you have a healthy um, employee market that you can tap. People that understand how to manufacture, people that have genetics that nobody else has. It feels like it would not just honor the plant by keeping it in the hands of the people, but it would actually also honor the business where there's always something new. You know, for me, it's like that creates as a music reference, the SoundCloud of, right? Like you can't just have everything be a record uh, label play. You need indie, you need people just creating for the sake of creation. And if you don't leave room for that, you know, it's gonna be like whatever the fuck country music is where everything is just the cookie cutter, same thing as it was and it will always be. And I don't know if that's the future that we'll have Um, We try to lobby to help push that in the right direction best we can. Um, But ultimately, people have to make that a conversation with the people they put in office that they will honor that. And if people can have home grows and they can wash at home, I think we'll actually have a really bright future where as many big MSOs as there are, there's the the smaller people that are just doing it for the love and have potential to have a successful business because of it. So let's see what happens. 
hundred percent agree with that. We were, we were just out at NECAN and that was one of the conversations we kept having in the world where there was so much, so much MSOs and there's the clear tension between craft and MSOs where, um, we were continually talking about, or I, I was continually saying like in the world of music, right? Labels are the infrastructure, they're the money, they can be seen as evil or the platform, depending on their in, in, intention and, and execution. Sure. But having that more open free market cultivates the ability for talent and brands and, and faces to come through that, that these people can sign or bring up to their platform, right? Yeah, and, ju and just to riff on that, that's exactly like what I would wanna see happen. If you're a massive MSO, and you're like, damn, man, there's this couple in Oregon that has this new strain that people are going crazy over. And we got to get this. They're going to go and just like having like a fire mixtape where they're going to go and be like, yo, we want to turn this into a real thing. Can we buy this from you? Can we work out a licensing deal with you and incorporate this? Can you launch your brand recreationally through our MSO? That to me is probably the healthiest relationship where you have big capital vehicles that can help scale and distribute something, but you still have an abundant market of creatives and artists that are actually putting in the stuff that needs to be scaled. Um, that's my dream for the space. And I feel like that's what will keep cannabis and hash great forever. Um, but, you know, counting on the U.S. government to do the right thing isn't uh, exactly <laughs> a good bet to make. Facts, facts. Yeah, the house is stacked against you. Well, man, Roger, I really appreciate your time today. Before we get you up out of here, man, is there anything else you'd like to, to let us know that, you know, shamelessly plug anything or anything that Puffco's got up its sleeve for the rest of 2023 that, that you can uh, leak out? For? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like as far as new stuff coming, there's always new stuff coming. We have a 17 person product department and they work on something new every day. So you can always count on new products in the future. Um, and, you know, typically when I shill, I don't want to shill for Puffco because I, I think if you love hash, you will love Puffco. I like to shill for hash, man. I feel like hash is the best experience in the space. I was a lifelong flower user. Um, it feels like I can't expressly say that hash is healthier, but I know that you're separating trichomes from the plant and you're vaporizing it and not combusting it. So you're consuming way less carbon. Um, and, you know, I'm a bigger guy, like I, I, I eat kind of what I want. So I'm not sitting here promoting the healthy lifestyle. It's just the benefit of it. But if you're chasing flavor, if you're chasing a high that you can dial in, hash really is the best experience in the space. That's my own subjective reality. And if I could impose anything on you guys, it would be find your local hash head and ask them to show you why they are so in love with hash mm. and approach with curiosity. That's what I would show for I love May. He's, he's pushing hash, hash above all else, but I'll plug it, you know, puffco.com at puffco on Instagram Thank for anyone you, else out there that, 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 wants, that, that wants to tap in, find more information. This is the RMR podcast. Again, Roger, really appreciate your time, man, and, and sharing this. Yes. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Um, Jolly Roger on Instagram, Jolly Roger HQ on YouTube. I stream on Tuesdays and Thursdays when I'm not traveling. Um, I typically do a two hour stream those days. I'm doing one later today at five so if you know you're in here and you're like damn i wish i could get more of this jolly roger hq is the youtube and all that is in my bio on instagram at jolly roger got you man appreciate you man this is the rmr podcast we'll be back with more content interviews if you're watching youtube make sure to hit subscribe if you're on apple spotify whatever just like it save it something even if you got some comments even if it's hate let, let us hear that too man we're, we're, we welcome everything i approach with love show them love please all right man we'll Thank see you guys. what happens with you guys soon